0: Hello and welcome into another edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi. I'm joined by Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. Brian, it's been a minute. How are you? Good, good. How are you, Tony? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Hey, I know we got a lot to dive into with regard to the salary cap, the offseason that's coming up or that's nearly in play, and also with things having to do with Lamar Jackson, the options with him, offensive coordinator, et cetera. But before I get there, I wanted to get your thoughts on first the press conference with John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta. Your your takeaways from that and how you were feeling when you were observing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously they said all the right things about Lamar and wanting him here. Um, you know, there's two different ways of looking at that, I guess. You can take him at face value, and that's that's really what they mean. Obviously, they're not going to come out and say anything bad about him if they're considering trading him. Um, or if they're not sure what's going to happen. So, um, you know, that, I mean, it wasn't surprising, you know, um, Harbaugh is a little more generally one who, um, plays obviously the coach speak. Um, the cost is usually a little more, uh, you know, straightforward. Uh, but certainly he was, he was saying all the right things there too. Um, I guess we'll see over the next couple of months whether that was what they, you know, really, really want him here or whether that's just to try and keep the value up.
0: I think the thing that Eric said that seems to be lingering out there in the world of Twitter and mm-hmm. on social media is it takes two to tango. Right. And of course, if you read between the lines there, it means that maybe the Ravens are doing their best to put their best foot forward, but they're not getting much in response from Lamar. So I took that away from that. But generally speaking, I I felt the same way as you did, that John was far more optimistic, Eric more realistic. But I think the picture painted is that, you know, we've got some things to address, but we've got this. We we know what we're going to do. We have a plan and we're going to work our best to execute it. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's always been, despite, you know, some fan dissatisfaction at times, that's always been, you know, they're, you know, they have, they have their plan A, B, C, and D, you know? And um, so if, yeah, I would, I would assume, you know, re-signing Lamar is plan A, but if not, they're, you know, they're going to be prepared to do what they need to do. I mean, I would think, and I assume this has already happened and probably happened even before that press conference. I mean, the first thing that is going to do should do should be doing, I would think is going to, you know, to Lamar and saying, do you want to be here? You know, first question, you know, because if you don't want to be here, I mean, he's, you know, he's shown in the past that if you don't want to be here, he's, whether it was, you know, whether it was Hayden Hurst or, or Hollywood Brown, you know, he's willing to trade you and, and, you know, make it work. So, You know, and if that's that's the threshold question, do you want to be here? And if the answer is yes, then the second question is, well, is there a way for us to find a middle ground? Because if you're stuck on fully guaranteed and we're saying no way, then, you know, then we may have to look to move you. But, you know, so I think I mean, I think those are the threshold questions. And if if obviously if it's yes and yes, I want to be here and yes, we have some negotiating wiggle room then uh, you know i be i you know the optimism that, that they were showing is is you know uh, is at face value um but if obviously those answers are in the negative or one of those either of those answers i guess are in the negative then they're going to look and they they've been pretty good about keeping things quiet uh you know they're going to look um to to move him and that that creates you know like well, whether we get into it now or later in this, uh, that creates some weird dynamics without him not having an agent.
0: Yeah, I want to take a real deep dive into that whole topic. But before we get there, I want to ask you a couple other things. Super Bowl thirty-five Today is the 22nd anniversary of that day that lives in infamy for Ravens Nation and Ravens Flock and and the Ravens organization itself. It was, for me, Brian – a, a red letter day, and, and I, I say that because I don't think I even said it at the time, that given all that Baltimore had to go through to get a team, the losing seasons for the first three seasons, and then the fourth season they they finished at five hundred, and then Festivus Maximus kicked into play. But up to that point, and, and I believe it to this day, that winning that Super Bowl and so on so many levels was will never be duplicated because it was highly unexpected number one five years back in the league the ravens pull off a super bowl victory and in many ways i thought it really put the rubber stamp on baltimore's re-emergence into the nfl for probably the rest of our lifetime your thoughts on where you were when super bowl 35 happened
1: yeah, I mean, no doubt um, that was I mean, it was a magical run. I mean, there's no you know, there's actually both Super Bowls were kind of magical runs because, you know, they're the things they both those teams had to overcome. Uh, but, yes, that that first one was uh, cathartic, certainly for, you know, us that, uh, you know, of the age that, you know, remember the Colts and went to Colts games and, you know, remember the pain of the you know, latter years and then obviously the move itself. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It was, you know, every, every single one of those games had, I remember that the Tennessee game. So we did, we did a rotating thing at each of our friends' houses. So um, we did one at one friends. And, but I remember the Tennessee game in particular when uh, Anthony Mitchell blocked uh, the field goal and, um, started to return it. And one of our friends is jumping up and down in front of the TV because of the block.
0: And we're like, get out of
1: the way, get out of the way. Cause, cause he's, he's going to bring this back. And it just, you know, it was just one of those things. And then, of course, Ray, Ray taking the ball in that game from, from Eddie George to seal the win. Um, so all of those games had that kind of holy shit kind of moment, you know, and it did, it just felt like destiny. And then obviously the Super Bowl. Um, you know the only my only regret about the Super Bowl is they gave up that kick return at the beginning of the second half to the Giants because otherwise it would have been a shutout and uh obviously defense put up a shutout but that would have been one of those nice things and you're you know feathering your cap for history's sake is having the only team to you know to perform a shutout or, or shut out the other team so um, but yeah I remember when they the, when they won the Super Bowl we again we we're at a friend's house and I mean, you could hear every every house in the neighborhood explode, and people were out banging pots and pans and stuff, making noise. People had fireworks going off. I mean, it was. I mean, it was really as you. It was a. It was a community event. You know. I mean, it really was.
0: Yeah, I think it, I look at thirty five. I mean, that was a dominant win, but 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 all. You know, up to the what the th- late in the third quarter was it, or was it even the fourth quarter when Dwayne Starks picked off the pass and took it in for a touchdown? I don't even remember, maybe late in the third quarter. And the yeah, it was the third quarter because the fourth quarter they reversed the sides and, and Jamal scored going left yeah. off the screen, so yeah, it must have been the third quarter. But those three consecutive plays, long touchdowns, you know, the interception, the Giants kickoff return, then the Ravens kickoff return it was it was special. But I, I can remember watching that game and thinking, we're, we were just so dominant. We're just destroying these guys, intimidating them. And it felt so good versus 47. And I thought that felt like relief at the end, not a win. It felt like relief because uh, yeah, absolutely. we survived.
1: Yeah. And it was, a, you know, in my life, it was a, such a different place because 35, um, none, of, none of my crew had kids. So you know, it was, even though it was a Sunday, we continued to party on mm-hmm. after after uh, the 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 uh, the twelfth, the two thousand twelve Super Bowl, and, and you're right, it was a sense of relief. That fourth quarter was just agony, um, but then it because actually we hosted that one at our house, and as soon as the game was over, everybody's like, "See you later," because everybody had kids they had to go to school the next day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a different, uh, different situation. I, I remember I was at the game in 35. I did not go to 47. Some things happened that I couldn't go. But in, in 35, I, I went down to that game. And it was, you know, I, I kept thinking about when, when the league started talking about having neutral sites for the championship games, which I'm totally opposed to. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah. But I thought, you know, being at that game – wasn't the same as being even at that Denver game that same year, you know, the, the wild card game where they won 21-3. to three, That was so exciting and everything just being there in the stadium. It was just electric. And, and at the Super Bowl, because the stakes were higher, you felt more, you know, adrenaline was flowing. But the crowd being a neutral site, it wasn't as electrifying in the stadium. And, and I yeah. think that when the league said – or when the, the uh, talking heads started – sharing the concept of neutral sites for championship games because it might mean more money to the league. I I thought, I hope that doesn't happen because they're just not the same. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I hopefully, you know, I I mean, I guess,
1: I mean, for the city that's hosting it, it's a, it's a bonanza, you know, as far as money goes, but I mean, ticket sales, tickets are the same price, things like that. I'm not really sure what exactly, and I'm sorry, my dog's going to start barking here. And, yeah, I'm not sure what the, um what the, the, how, how it makes so much more money for the league,
0: I guess, but I guess it does. <laughs> yeah, I would think it does because the host city probably pays a lot of money because they're looking for a windfall in exchange, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just hope it doesn't get to that. But, you know, the NFL follows one thing, the money trail, and, and that's, if it means more money, wouldn't surprise me if that happens because I just want Baltimore to host an AFC Championship game. Absolutely, one. Absolutely. absolutely. So let's talk about how the the season ended, Brian. Just your thoughts on the twenty twenty two season as a whole, the way it ended with that bitter defeat in Cincinnati and that wild card game, at, and your What can you take away from the twenty twenty two season into twenty twenty three that you think would be good?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the end of the season was frustrating. As you know, it just you know they were in they were in good position, even though the offense was struggling. And then, obviously, once Lamar gets hurt, everything changes. Um, You know, Huntley performs admirably. I, I thought certainly, other than the fumble. Uh, and obviously that was the key play of the game, but the fumble in the wild card game, I thought he played pretty well in that game. Um, I don't know if, you know, if by having sat the week before and, you know, cause cause he was having shoulder issues. He seemed like he had a little more zip. Um, you know, he's, he's a solid backup. I mean, you know, you, nobody's replacing Lamar. So, you know, that from that standpoint, um, it would have been really nice to, to, you know, pull that one off and, you know, if he doesn't jump, if he burrows, tries to burrow through um, at the goal line, like at least Harbaugh indicated that it was the plan, you know, maybe they score that. I mean, that only puts them up seven, I think, at that point. It's not like the Cincinnati can't come back and tie it. But the way the defense was seemed to have them tied in knots, uh, although we've seen, you know, fourth quarter leads go away pretty often this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, so it was disappointing two years in a row, even though they didn't make the playoffs the year before you know, the, the, the downward spiral at the end. So, I mean, it shows, I mean, how valuable Lamar is obviously, and how irreplaceable he is. Um, so I think that's one of those, you know, and I think we differ on this a little, but, you know, I think getting him back and obviously being healthy is a huge difference. Um, and, you know, I, hopefully they, from my perspective, hopefully they work something out, um, uh, the other the other big takeaway is is Roquan Smith and the defense, you know, the change that occurred there. I mean, Cincinnati, you know, hung, what, 50 on him last year, um, maybe twice. Um, uh, you know, they they were all over him. And this year, you know, they held him down and held him in check pretty good in, in all three games. Yeah. Uh, sure. You know, to, so even before Roquan, because the first game was before Roquan Smith. So, you know, I think that's the big takeaway for me is, The defense is in pretty good shape. Got to get, obviously, you know, know, as everybody's saying, this isn't exactly uh, earth-shaking news, but they got to get that wide receiver room taken care of.
0: You're 100% correct. And my takeaways from the 2022 season, good and bad. The the good for me is that in that wild card game, they showed that they could hang, that they're not that far away that they can play with the tough teams. The Bengals look really good so far in the postseason. They're a really good team. They're going to be the the favorite, again, to win in 2023. But I think the Ravens showed in all three of those games that they can compete with that team even when their quarterback situation isn't at their best. But the, the frustrating thing for me in 2022 is that the same questions that we had going into the season were left unaddressed. In other words... If Lamar is going to be that guy going forward, the things that they needed to address, as you just pointed out, one was the wide receiver room, and number two, in my opinion, the offensive coordinator, who I think has proven that he just can't develop a passing game, that he just can't develop Lamar as a passer, and they needed somebody else. I'm not saying it's all Greg Roman's fault, but I think that it was time for them to separate those two, and they failed to do that and they failed to go out and get that receiver, that difference maker, like the Philadelphia Eagles did for Jalen Hurts and going out and get A.J. Brown made a world of difference for that team and made Devontae Smith a better receiver because less coverage was rolled towards him. So when you get that guy in that room, and I know it's at an expense, and maybe they're sacrificing future years on the cap to get that guy, but I thought that those two things were a necessity to remove some of the question marks heading into the season they failed to do that. If anything, that wide receiver room got worse, and it, and it traveled, or or the path of that receiver room was much the same as the offensive line the year before.
1: Yeah, now that, that's a, and you mentioned the offensive line. Now that, that's a certainly a positive takeaway from this year. Stanley returning, you know, we were we were told by certain radio heads that he would never play again and stuff like that. Um, you know and he looked, you know, he wasn't he wasn't 100% Stanley, but I would say he was 92% Stanley or 90%. So, you know, another year removed, uh, the offensive line, uh, you know, if Powers is in, they only have to place one player, perhaps. So going forward, I think that's a very positive development from this year. Um, but I agree, I mean, you know, the wide receiver has obviously been an issue for this team for forever. Um, and I don't know how to explain that and I don't think they do either I know that you know they always say they self-evaluate and things like that but it seems you know now things might have been different if Bateman stays healthy things are different probably because he certainly looked like the home run you know this field stretcher the home run hitter that that they certainly did not have for whatever three quarters of the season as it turned out so but you know at this point you can't re- unfortunately you can't rely on him to be that guy so i agree if you know getting and i'm not sure you know if if who's going to be out there to be obtained of course you have that other issue until they prove they have a great passing game even if you trade for somebody and you want them to you know like aj brown got an extension is he going to want to come here until they prove that they can throw the ball with real efficiency and you know wide receivers want a hundred plus targets, you know, they want a hundred plus catches. Um, And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's something that's unsaid in this a bit is, okay. So if it's, if it's, if it's Hopkins, he's got what 17 million and 19 million due in cash over the next two years, something like that. Um, You know, is he, you're going to need him to extend his deal to lower those cap numbers and stretch that money out. But is he going to want to, you right. know, And I think that's, unfortunately, I think when the, when we get to the wide receiver discussions and let's trade for this guy and this guy and he'll, this guy will make all the difference in the world. But you got to, you got to think about that other element is, do they really want to come here? Oh, if he's traded here, he's got to come here. Uh, most of them, you're still going to need to do work with the contract
0: to an extent. And are they willing to do that? Right. And the same could be said about the next offensive coordinator. Oh, for sure. Too many yeah. question marks right now. You know, John, during that press conference, made it sound like, oh, yeah, Baltimore is a premier destination for an offensive coordinator. Well, is it really? I don't think that it is. And yeah. and even let's just say that John even fails. Let's say the Ravens failed to make the playoffs next year. Where is Harbaugh in the equation? And, and if he just hired that OC, that OC is probably looking to pack his bags again and move on.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is. It is you know, obviously if they get Lamar done, it makes it easier, but I don't, unfortunately, you know, it's January, it's still January. And most of the time these kind of contracts don't happen in January. They're going to happen in late February or early March if it's going to happen. So by then, obviously you've got to have your, 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 uh, um, your, your coordinator in place. Unfortunately that sort of, and that's not going to make Ravens fans happy, but that leads to perhaps some sort of retread um, guy or or whether maybe it's Urban or or um, or the tight end coach that gets elevated because they'll take the job. They're here and they'll take the job, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a kind of the scary proposition of everybody wanting this bright new mind. And maybe it's not going to happen that way.
0: Yeah, I sometimes think or wonder if that's what John actually wants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, yeah, <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I mean, there, you know, there's the stuff about he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want guys that would take his job Well, McDonald's a young guy who came in, you know, I mean, he did, he did break the mold there. I know he was a hardball guy, but I mean, he did, that's kind of, one of the first times he's gone to, you know, bring in a younger guy and the, the two wide receiver coaches too. Uh, you know, he's brought in he's brought in a few younger guys that in theory could take his job if, if they perform well and he doesn't. And or they take it as an interim basis and and actually do some, you know, do some good.
0: So I want to get into the conversation of Lamar Jackson, but I think before we do that, it's important to set the stage as to where the Ravens are cap wise. At, at the moment because we've seen Brian from some of the national publications, those being over the cap and, and spot rack and whatnot that, or I don't know, is it spot rack or spot track? I don't even know. I don't even know I, they're I think they're terrible. So I don't spend much time on Okay, them. Over, over the cap
1: is definitely the way to go between the two.
0: Okay. So the over the cap, I believe they've got a number out there that's in the $50 million range, but I know that that's not accurate. So why don't you, if you could explain to our listeners, the difference between what they're seeing from the national publications and, and what you have put together.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and actually over the cap is, is, is down now to they have it actually lower than I do, but they're, they're throwing some things in there that I haven't thrown it in yet, but so I've got them at just over 28 million in cap space. Um, there was, I mean, obviously back in December before the off season started, so to speak, they were close to, um, They were close to 50 million. I think it was was about 48 um, or maybe even been over 50. But you have to you have to you have to factor in the things that have happened since. Roquan Smith was re-signed. His cap number is nine million dollars. Boom. Right there. That reduces it. Nine million dollars. They've signed nine guys from the practice squad. That number, that 50 million uh, in cap space number was for only 40 players. Uh, under contract at that time so you got to get up to 51 until you get to 51 every contract every new contract counts so that was you know once Roquan made 41 so the next 10 and I think they're just I think they're at 50 right now so they're not even at 51 yet so you know the next um, the next 10 contracts um, count a full 100 percent against the cap you know the minimum is what uh, eight around eight hundred thousand. So ten that's eight million dollars at at the minimum. And some of the guys they signed um, signed for more than that. So you know that 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 that's another reduction. And then um, two players uh, in their final year earned uh, per, uh, the proven performance escalator, which basically replaces the idea of the old uh, restricted free agent tender used to be rookie deals uh later round rookie deals were three years and then you became a restricted free agent um the the two cbas ago changed that now all rookie deals uh for later round picks are four years but they do if they play uh they get enough snaps or they make the pro bowl they get a stepped up uh fourth year salary which was akin to what the old restricted free agent tender was well one of the it's it's kind of the you know the the good and the bad of that and we've seen that before with with different players gino Gratkowski got traded because of it and you know we all kind of thought ben powers was going to be gone because of it and as it turned out the ravens were very smart to keep him uh, even at a higher what was a higher number so uh devin duvernay because he made the pro bowl as a kick returner not as a wide receiver but as a kick returner he still got uh, stepped up Uh, So his salary basically went from a little over a million to 4.3 million. So that's a a three plus million increase. Um, Matabike also um, had an increase, not, not as much. His was only about 2 million. He, he got a lower, uh, the lower escalator. So put all those together and you go from close to 50 down to 28. Um, So that's where they are now. Again, sign one more player. That's going to take another, you know, eight, nine hundred thousand off of that number as well. Uh, and then, of course, they're still um, there. You know, obviously they've got to tender some players, perhaps uh, who are restricted free agents. They don't ha- actually don't have any exclusive rights free agents this year, which is very odd. Um, and, but some of the restricted free agents, whether they're going to keep them or extend them and kind of do what they've done with other players with, you know, lesser deals. But uh, for a year or two with some guaranteed money. Um, you know, one of those guys, uh, you know, um, there's a couple of those guys that you have to wonder whether they're going to be here or not, um, you know, or whether they want them back. Uh, you know, we've got a couple guys. I mean, Huntley's one, Nick Moore's another, the long snapper, you know, uh, do you want to pay those guys, you know, almost $3 million? I think, I think the restrict what's a two point, it's about 2.8, uh, for that number. So, Cologne, who looked like, you know, when he when he's played, has looked like a very valuable backup. It's another guy, Gino Stone, you know, so there's a lot of guys that they have some decisions to make. And then, of course, the last piece of that is the earned incentives from last year. Um, they got, got pro bowl bonuses for uh, Andrews and uh, Humphrey. And then um, some guys, Houston made what, a million or almost two million, million and a half. In incentives, so that's going to be about two million off the cap as well um, as an adjustment. So it, it, it's going to be a tight cap, even though it sounded great in the off season. But every team's going through this. Every team's numbers, those big numbers from December, are are dwindling now.
0: Now twenty eight million dollars is the number, and let's focus on Lamar and how to make that work with twenty eight million. It looks like Brian from the way these discussions or lack thereof have taken place over the last one plus years that this thing's headed for some sort of tag and the tag could be the exclusive tag or the non-exclusive tag. The exclusive tag, correct me if I'm wrong here, is roughly about $45.2 million. Yeah. It should be in that range.
1: That can change. Um probably won't, but that is the average of the top five quarterbacks' uh cap numbers for this year. Um, if so this is one of these timeline things. So the Ravens will not tag Lamar until the last possible moment. Once they tag him, that number is pretty much set in, unless somebody gets a higher cap number, which generally doesn't happen. Um if a quarterback, and there are going to be several that are going to restructure for other teams. Um, if they restructure before that ha- before the Ravens tag him, uh, then they the Ravens get the benefit of that because that might take one of those top five guys out, and instead of being a you know a forty five million guy, he might become a thirty five million guy, and then the, you know then the number six moves into that top um, into that top five, which would would lower that number some. Uh, but once he's tagged, it's set. If somebody restructures after that, it doesn't matter if they restructure before, um, then that's that's the difference. So that's why they will wait till the last possible moment to, to try. And ideally, you know, D- Dak Prescott's going to get, you know, he's one of the top five. He's going to get, he's definitely going to get restructured. Mahomes is probably going to get restructured. Um, now, I, I would think uh, to Sean Watson, will. now the Browns aren't going to do us any favors, uh, you know, so they're going to, most of these teams are probably going to wait but, you know, um, Deshaun Watson's is I mean, his number is fifty five million. If they restructure him and you know drop that down to 20 million for cap purposes or whatever, even 30 million, that would take him out of that equation. So um, so that that's why they'll wait. I would assume they're going to wait till that last possible moment.
0: No, that's the forty five point two as it stands today without waiting to the last minute. If those guys drop out of the top five, what have you that's for the exclusive which means only the ravens can negotiate with lamar now the non-exclusive version which is sort of matches up with the traditional version of a franchise tag is 32.5 million is that the number
1: it should be in that range. Yeah, that one will be um, that's based on we, since we don't know what the cap that that's based more on what the cap is. And we don't know what the cap is exactly. I mean, we're all kind of working with a two hundred and twenty five million cap. Um, hopefully it's more, which will help everybody, but certainly help the Ravens. Um, but, you know, that's so, yeah, that's what we're working off of. And if it's if it's that it should be in that thirty two and a half million range.
0: OK, so that's almost a 13 million dollar difference if things hold true in a couple of weeks to as what they stand today. So that's $13 million more. Now that's for a non-exclusive and the non-exclusive is that the Ravens with that hold the right to match any offer that is extended to Lamar. If they choose not to, they will get two first round picks one in each of the next two drafts as compensation for Lamar. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. So, if you look at this, then you have to ask yourself, in my opinion, what is Lamar's market value? And then I think the question, Brian, comes into play, has: have the situations in Cleveland and Denver negatively impacted what Lamar might bring in terms of trade value? In other words, is it realistic for the Ravens to think that they could get the same, even though Lamar is arguably a better player than both the same for Russell Wilson and for uh, Deshaun Watson. So that's what, if, if the answer to that is no, then two first round picks in exchange for Lamar. Do you think that looks more like a reasonable exchange or do you think Lamar should get, deliver more than that for the Ravens if they trade them. And if you think that that's the case, then the non-exclusive should be out. Yeah. I,
1: I think, I mean, I think you have to set yourself, uh, you got to set your sights higher than the two first round picks, even if it's a player that's thrown in, um, you know, that might be helpful, you know, guard, for instance, that might be able to young guard that might be able to replace powers you know, team, a team might be willing to say, okay, well, you know, we got this young guy, and but if he's a, but he's a guard, you know, and, but for the Ravens, if they get a guy who's in his second or third year, they get a couple of years of controllable years uh, on the rookie deal. So that's, that's the kind of thing I would think they might look at. Um, you know, Lamar is younger than both of those guys, obviously Wilson, um, you know, um, so I think, I think they have to set their sights higher and obviously the last two years, uh, how they ended doesn't help for sure. Uh, but but then again, and I mean, obviously Watson, and we'll get into Watson more probably. but I mean he's it's such an outlier, both the contract and you know, and the fact that he was coming off of not playing a year and then he was he was going to be suspended and somehow he's he's they, Houston still got that haul and then obviously Watson got that contract. It shows uh, how desperate the uh, the Browns were. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think you have to set yourself sights higher than that. Um, And it gives you more control over the process. Um, If it's just if it's the non-exclusive tag, Lamar goes and he deals with everybody. And all of a sudden there's a you know, there's there's a there's a contract in front of you. You know that you may not like the terms of if 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 it's if you put the exclusive tag on him. And say, hey, you and this is where not having an agent and again is going to be interesting. But you go find you go find a deal you want somewhere and come back to us and we'll work on trade compensation or we're going to do this together. We're going to work on trade compensation with teams that might be interested in you. And you then you can talk to them about contract, you know. But I think that gives the Ravens more control. And you know, this is our minimum. If you're not going to meet our minimum, then Lamar's going to be here whether he wants to be or not you know, those kinds of things. So I think, and, and there is, there is the part of the mechanism. So, um, and actually Joel Corey, who, uh, who does great cap information for, um for CBS sports, he did a article last week about Lamar and I thought it was really good because it, it really, it was just, it was no nonsense. It, it wasn't agenda driven or anything like that. It just kind of laid all the facts out. So if, Any listeners out there, I would you know I would strongly suggest taking a look at that. Anytime Joel posts anything on Twitter, take a look at. Um, But he he, and we've never been in really been in the situation to think about. And and a lot of my uh, fellow salary cap guys didn't. uh, For other teams, they didn't even realize this. The the guys that over the cap didn't realize this either. But when you if you tag exclusive the initial number that counts is the non-exclusive number. The exclusive number gets set in stone at the, um, uh, again, based on when when the Ravens tag and any changes that happen, but it gets set in stone the last day of the restricted free agent period, which is five days before the draft. Uh, That's when that number gets set in stone until then actually he would count at the 32.5 million. Now you're still gonna have to come up with a 13 million if you're keeping him on on the tag you still have to come up with the 13 million down the road at, you know before the right before the draft but it does give them a little flexibility as far as cap goes it you know, gives them a little more time maybe better way of saying it to kind of figure this out So that's one of the little nuances uh, of the way this works which probably allows them to, you know, okay, well, we're going to put the exclusive on you. You're only going to, for the time being, you're only going to count at the non-exclusive number, and we're going to see what's out there. I just think that gives them more control over the process. I mean, obviously, again, they're going to have to have that $13 in their pocket, if nothing, if they don't move him, uh, or he's staying one way or another, he intends to stay. But I just think that gives them a little control over the process and what, um, you know, I mean, if, I can't think of the right team, but if a team with the, you know, and there's, I don't think there is one out there with a team with the 28th pick, you know, wants to sign him to an offer sheet for two first round picks and they're a good team and he's going to make them even better Then you. That's not, that's not value. Those two first round picks or low first round picks. Probably that's not really great value. They're going to want to be, okay, we want to go to tech. We want to go to the, we want to go to the Texans. And we want to go to Atlanta teams that have, you know, top 10 picks and you want Lamar and, you know, and, and okay, you Lamar, you want to go to Atlanta, Atlanta wants you, you know, let's work this out.
0: But I just think that gives them a lot more control over the process. Well, it really does because you just shed some light on something that I wasn't aware of is that they, even with the distinction of exclusive, it goes in on the books at the same number and buys them some time until like you said, a, a couple of days before the draft to work something out. So that, that is a game changer, particularly Brian, when we talked about the Ravens only have $28 million in cap space and either one of those tags, those numbers, 45, two and 32, five, put them above the cap. Let's talk about that for a second. And when, what the Ravens can do strategically with that and the time that they have before they have to be in cap compliance. Sure. So that the tag window,
1: and again, I would think they would wait to the last possible day. And, you know, if they're going to move Lamar, the tag window coincides. So the tag window is February 21st to March 7th, I think it is. So it's two weeks, basically. That coincides um, right around the time of the combine. And we know that a lot of deals come together at the combine you can't you can't officially make the trade uh until march 15th which is the first day of the new league year um, and that is also when you need to be in cap compliance so the ravens could uh, let, let's say the 28 million right now stay stagnant until then uh and then they tag lamar with either tags 32 so that puts them four million or four and a half million under uh, over the cap i'm sorry over the cap but they don't have to make any moves and so they don't have to have that when they put the tag on they don't have to have the cap space at that moment i guess is the better way of saying it they do have to figure everything out and be under the cap by the 15th so if they waited till march 7th couldn't figure anything out with lamar you know we got to use the tag to protect ourselves here's the tag they don't need to be under the cap at that moment um a week later on the 15th they would have to have everything worked out and be under the cap at that point
0: 15th at 4 p.m. And that's when the new league year begins, correct? Correct. Yes. So you've got that time that they could buy with that. But if let's, let's say that the Ravens and Lamar, let's say they split the difference from wherever they are in, in contract negotiations, (laughs) because we don't know where they are. So let's just say they split the difference and they say, Lamar, I know you want a, we've offered B let's, figure out where B plus sits and, and let's go with that. If they get to that B plus, what would be the estimate? I know I can't hold you to this because you're you're not sure of, of the contract offers either, but what would be your guesstimate as to what his cap hit would be in 2023? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, uh, one
1: of the big factors would be the numbers of years of the deal. And that's the, because the, the shorter the deal and at 26, you know, he may say, well, okay, well, you know, we've been talking about a five year deal or a six year deal, because if he got if they would worked it out before the season, it would have been a five year extension. So it would have been six years in total. So if he turns around and says, I only want three or four years now. Because that, that gets me to be a free agent at 30 or even younger than 30. And, you know, so in that case. Uh, that makes it harder because you've got if it's 50 million a year, let's just say, for, for three years, you know, 150 million to split that up over three years, it's hard because you're going to give them a big bonus. You're going to generally give a lower base salary in that first year. But if it's only three, there's only so much wiggle room you have. Now, if it's five, that's different. So let's just using five as the example, if he gets a $50 million bonus, um, that would prorate over the five years. So that would be count 10 million each year if you gave him a 10 million dollar salary that means he's getting 60 million in cash this year which is you know that's a that's a great cash flow for him and the ravens have been good with that they've they've generally gotten guys um, at a lower annual rate so for instance humphrey didn't push up to the top um, stanley didn't push to the top they were at near the top but they didn't push over because they gave him a lot of upfront money which makes it, you know, obviously, hey, more money today is better than money tomorrow. That's money that can't, you know, that can't be cut and never get. Um, and the more upfront money you get as far as bonuses, the harder that creates more dead money down the road. So for the player, it gives them some security. Um, so Lamar, I mean, they could they could take that cap number on a five year deal or six, even six. They could take that cap number down to 20, 25 million. Um, knowing that, you know, the back end cap numbers are going to be 60. But by then, the TV money is really going to hit in. And, you know, depends on who you believe. But, you know, there's some out there that say by 2025 or 2026, the cap would be three 300 million, um, which gives you. And, and, and certainly the way Roquan Smith's deal was was laid yeah. out, that would seem to indicate the Ravens are, you know, thinking that way as well, because he had a, only a nine million dollar cap number on a $20 million a year average. So I would think, uh, you know, if they can get a five-year deal, let's just say
0: I would think that cap number for Lamar would be between 20 and 30. Brian, talked about getting the $50 million up front, and and we keep hearing fully guaranteed, like Deshaun Watson. He had a $230 million fully guaranteed deal but with respect to Watson and I'm guessing that Lamar would like to have that deal but only a bigger number just so he'd be the highest paid and have all the guarantees but from Watson's deal you know how do those guarantees work in terms of you know what he got up front are there option bonuses are there uh, roster bonuses T- talk about that a little bit
1: yeah I mean well fully guaranteed is fully guaranteed however it's paid whenever it's paid um, there, there are when we talk about guaranteed money, it the, the things are somewhat often get confused. There's there's really two types of guaranteed money. Fully guaranteed money means exactly what it says. No matter what happens, you get that money. Um, so, for instance, when we hear like Russell Wilson's deal, um, you know, he had, I think, like one hundred and twenty million fully or one hundred thirty million fully guaranteed. But he had like one hundred and eighty million guaranteed. So the the difference there is that that other money is either injury guaranteed, meaning if you get hurt, you get it. But if we cut you because you stink, you don't get Um, or if we cut you because your cap number is too big and we just can't do it, uh, you know, it's so you can be cut for injury or cap reasons. I mean, I'm sorry, you can be cut for cap performance skill is the word skill reasons or cap reasons. And you don't get that other, that difference of what, 50 million, you wouldn't get that. If you're hurt, on the other hand, you would get it because it's injury guaranteed. So that's one that's one explanation of that kind of difference between fully guaranteed and quote-unquote total guarantee. Uh, another sometimes is what we have, and this, this I think would work really well in a deal with Lamar, and that is vesting guarantees. And that's a way of bridging the gap between... In this case, you know, 133, which was that report from uh from the uh from uh September, 133 fully guaranteed, and a 250 million dollar deal. So what that is is generally the Ravens would guarantee, obviously get their big bonus, they would probably get an option bonus. Those are the second year, that's fully guaranteed. And they usually guarantee the first two years and maybe part of the third. Well, the vesting guarantee says. If I'm if if Lamar's on the roster on the first day of the league year in 2024, then 2025 gets fully guaranteed. Okay. So it, you got, so it forces the team to you know, c- you know cut bait if need be, uh, but it also it, it allows for and so in in essence the whole deal could end up being you could put that in each year and the whole deal could end up being fully guaranteed. It's just not fully guaranteed at signing. Um, you know if Lamar plays well he's gonna that, that's the other issue with the is fully guaranteed what is it does, does, does fully guaranteed really mean anything that at the numbers he is going to be cutting him after the third year is going to be impossible whether it's 133 billion guaranteed or you know I mean that's going to be really hard to cut him so he's probably going to get year four and five anyway you know or if he's playing really well And we get to where the cap is now three hundred million. They're going to probably rip up up that deal like they, you know, they did with Flacco three years into his six-year deal. You know, they're going to rip that up, and you're going to get a new deal. Um, So I I don't, you know, in a way we get we get hung up on that. But I I do think there's there's something to be said there that for both sides, you know, who cares? Because if he is what you think he is, and you're willing to give him one hundred thirty-three million fully guaranteed why not give him the whole thing now I know that's precedent setting and that, that that's a whole other issue for other owners and, and 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 things like that obviously the catastrophic injury with fully guaranteed is the concern because if he can't play again and I mean not you know we've seen guys have catastrophic injuries and still come back and play now with with it with his legs and that being a huge part of his game that, that makes it unique for him for sure but, you know, I, well, for in the, for the, you know, for the player's perspective, well, if I play well, I'm going to see the full thing anyway. So who cares if it's fully guaranteed? So, uh, you know, I think we, I think we get players, man, you know, owners. Everybody gets help, you know, hung up on their Fans for sure get hung up on that. But in the, in the end, I don't know that it matters that much.
0: Well, I think it – and you bring up some great points. It only matters in the situation where he doesn't perform to the level of his contract. Right. Well, sure. Yeah. Or if he doesn't stay healthy. And in the past two years, he's shown that he's missed a third of the games and and the most important ones in the season, you know, at the end of the, you know in December and January. So there's got to be some concern there, too.
1: No. And, and, that, and that, 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 that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And obviously,
1: you know, there was clearly a well, I shouldn't say clear, I guess, seemingly a, a disconnect between him and the team, whatever that was um why ever that was whose fault that was who knows you know but so that you have to wonder you know is that much less than part of the negotiations but is if if they can't if it, if they can't feel comfortable with that yeah then trying to add more him asking for fully guaranteed or 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 you know or or more guaranteed than 133 uh, that may be a bridge too far for them uh that's why I think the vesting guarantees uh, is, is a is a good option to de- to use because again, if he, you know, if you gotta, if you gotta, if you gotta cut bait at some point, you're going to take the big hit, but you're not taking an extra a hundred and you know, whatever million because it's fully guaranteed. So um, I, and to be honest with you now, maybe, you know, maybe when we get to 25 and 26 and the cap is 300 million, it's easier to do. But right now, um, you know, because of COVID and knocking the the cap back, I mean, this cap should be probably 15 million more uh, than it is right now. Now, but if, if COVID hadn't happened, you know, um, I'm not sure where things are now. Without redoing your cap mechanisms uh, through the CBA, a bunch of fully guaranteed contracts could uh, be just disastrous. <laughs> I mean, it would you know, about 250 million. I mean, and Watson's the scary one because he he wasn't very good this year. Now, obviously, they're hoping he will next year. But if he performs next year like he did this year. Uh, nobody's ever gonna ever going to fully guarantee contract it ever again because that's going to be the he's the poster boy for it already but if he doesn't perform up to it uh, you know that's the end of that discussion probably
0: and one of the things too about these fully guaranteed deals and let me back up for a second just to clarify if lamar's deal is is five years 250 the cap numbers are the same regardless of whether it's fully guaranteed or not correct Correct. The cap numbers are are set. Yeah. The cap numbers
1: are the, I mean, it's not 50, it's not 50 million each year. It's just like a normal contract. It's just that if you're not here and that creates the dead money, I mean, it may be a situation where, I mean, if it, it played out the worst case scenario, I mean, let's say Watson using Watson, let's say, you know, he, he blows out both knees. I don't even know if that's possible on a play, you know, and I mean, that changes everything. The, the Browns may actually be forced to keep him on the roster. Because if he if it's fully guaranteed and he can't play and you cut him, then you've got either you're taking it, you know, you're taking that big hit in one year or you're doing a post June one and you but you're still taking a big hit the, the next year. I mean, like a monstrous hit. Right. I, mean, would, I mean, it would be the end of their cap. I mean, they wouldn't be able to field a team, but, you know, rookie free agents, basically. Um, so, you know, using that as the example. And, I, you know, that's I, obviously that's an extreme example. But, you know, that that would be something they would not be able to get away from. And, um, you know, but they might be forced to keep him on the team, quote unquote. So he counts 50 million each year as opposed to them having to take one hundred and fifty million dollar hit in one year, which, you know, even if a 300, they've got a 300 million cap, that would be half of their cap. So that's the, that's where I think. A, a lot of the discussion, you know, doesn't focus on over, and again, it's an it's an unlikely scenario. I get, but this present cap, the way it's laid out, I I don't I think there has to be some adjustment to it if fully guaranteed is going to really become a thing.
0: I don't know if you saw the podcast, the Ryan Clark podcast, the, the Pivot or something like that. I, I'll I'll find out what that is in a minute. But Ryan Clark hosts a podcast, and he had Damari Smith on there. And about midway through the podcast, they start talking about Lamar, and I'm going to be paraphrasing here, Brian, but basically what Smith said was that they look at Lamar as being the bookend of, of Deshaun Watts. In other words, he would be, the two of them would represent bookends of fully guaranteed deals, which the NFLPA is really pushing for. Sure. And and without that agent, as you mentioned earlier, without that agent, I'm told that he's very, very i want to intimidated is the wrong word, but let's say influenced by what the NFL PA wants to do with this. And of course, they're always fighting for the benefit of the players, and I, and I get that, but there's got to, and Damari and Smith in this podcast was talking about how the owners are basically colluding. And right. I find that You know, if the owners to protect their business are going about it in a a consistent way that somehow that becomes colluding and not necessarily making good business decisions. And I I know the lines blur depending upon which side of of, of the fence you sit on. But the thing is that with these guaranteed deals, owners, correct me if I'm wrong, they must escrow that full amount of the guarantee. Yes. Yeah. So that would be. So, for instance,
1: if we use Lamar, the the 250 billion and if we use my example of a a, a, 50 or 60 million dollar signing bonus and then another 10 million in salary, the balance of that to get to the 250. So whether that's 60 or 70, the balance of the the rest of that 250 has to be escrowed. Um, within a certain period of time from the signing of the deal it, again it's not the whole 250 because he's getting a big chunk of it immediately um, but yes the balance has to be escrow. some teams aren't going to be able to do that um, you know we hear about uh, you know I mean gotta I know we we hear about Jerry Jones is rich and he'll do anything he wants and you know uh, Bashadi's rich but he's cheap and these kind of you know, stuff. These guys aren't, most of these guys are not digging into their pockets. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be clear on that there. I mean, the days of Art Modell guaranteeing a, a, a loan getting a loan and and personally guaranteeing it to sign Andre Risen. Those days are long gone unless you're a guy like Mike Brown or somebody like that um, who, who, you know, bought this thing. I mean, his wealth is the team, you know, And, you know, and Bashadi doesn't take a salary. So it's not like he's making money based on the value of the of the the franchise growing, but he's not making money any any given year. He's not making money. You know, so he's the, the idea of digging into pockets is is just a strange thing. They're doing it out of the revenue of the club. Now, they might have to. And I don't really know the full. Uh, mechanism of the you know this escrowing whether they can take a loan to escrow to put that into escrow whether it has to be cash because most teams don't have even even the cowboys who obviously have re- other revenues that a lot of teams don't because they're you know the packers and you know, cowboys and those types of teams um, that, that have this other uh, ability to you know make money that's not part of the salary cap they not part of the revenue sharing they are generally not digging I mean they you know they they just they still don't have 250 million or two hundred million or whatever it's going to be. They don't have that sitting around either. so uh you know that's the you know that so it's it you know that that's one of those things that people talk about oh Bashadi's rich, he's being cheap well every every owner's cheap if you want to call it that, but it it's you know it it gets and it gets back to, to as you said I, I think they're trying to make Lamar the poster boy. And I think they're trying to create um, evidence. I will, I guess, we'll say of collusion. Uh, but collusion is that the team owners get together and agree. They got to, they're got to find emails and 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 you know memos and things like that that we're not giving fully guaranteed. I don't see where that's going to happen because what's happened is the only two fully guaranteed deals we've had uh, were essentially Kirk Cousins. And then there were a gazillion quarterback contracts for more than that after that uh, that weren't fully guaranteed, including uh, Aaron Rodgers coming off of a MVP year. Uh, and when he got when he got to, you know, he, when he set the market, it's usually you, you top the last guy. If you're one of the top guys, you just top the, the last contract by a little. And that's basically what the at the, the least. The Ravens allegedly offered based on those reports from September. They went over. They went over Wilson. They went over Murray. Um, they the average per year went just slightly. It was just slightly. because I think um, I, I think um, Rogers is 50.1 million. So they were just under that. But the only thing they didn't top was the Deshaun Watson number. But again, we've had two two big contracts since then that have not topped Deshaun Watson. They've not done the fully guaranteed like Deshaun Watson. So I think that's an outlier. Uh, I think it's collusion is, is uh, you know, I think it's kind of, I don't know how they prove that. Um, but, you know, this is where we uh, kind of you know jumping a little because you mentioned agent. This is where Lamar's deal would have been done if there was an agent <laughs> uh, or this would be resolved. Let me put it that way. This would have been resolved if there was an agent because. While it is tampering, the agent would know if other teams are willing, if there's another team out there willing to, you know, somebody's going to tell him, hey, you know, we, we want Lamar and we'll give him fully guaranteed. The agent would know, you know, and if there's nothing, and he would come back to the team and say, hey, look, we got, well, I know somebody and obviously they, they, he could be bluffing, but I got a team that wants to do fully guaranteed. If you aren't going to do that, then, then let's trade. Let's, let's work on a trade right. or, or he comes back and says to Lamar, nobody's giving you fully guaranteed. So let's work out something
0: between what what you want and what the Ravens are offering, and it'd be done. Ryan, it's my understanding that agents get like three percent. Is yes. that your? I think it's three or four. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Let's, yeah. let's even play Devil's Advocate and say that it's four percent for all of. Take all that off your plate as a player and not have to deal with all the business side of that, plus all the endorsements he's probably missing out on, that 4% looks like a bunt. It looks like nothing. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking
1: about $250 I would agree with that. I get the sense there's, uh, amongst Lamar and his, his mother or other advisors, that there's maybe a distrust involved. I don't know if that's the right word to use. Yeah, skepticism, probably. um, probably. you know, and, and I, and I think that may, and that's pure speculation on my part. Um, and, 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 it, and cause I guess partly I just can't, yeah, you know, I mean, Roquan Smith just did his, but obviously that was a much easier deal when you're, you know, you're not talking about, you know, again, vesting options and all these other things, um, that, um, you know, that would come with a, a you know, top, uh,
0: top of the market quarterback deal. Think about it from this perspective, that you've got Damari Smith, who very well-spoken, smart guy, who's probably imposes his will onto Lamar for, to get this guaranteed contract. That's got to be somewhat intimidating. And, and an agent would be able to hold that at bay a little bit to, to like, say, look, I, I get where you're going with this. Cause I'm sure Smith is saying to Lamar, look, For all those guys that went before you, for all the guys that are going to come after you, you're doing this for them. This is for the good of the game for the players. I'm sure all those things are going on, and it's in the head of Lamar while he's trying to be a football player out there on the field. He's doing all these things at the same time. And I just think that that agent is is the amazing buffer that he needs at this point in time. He needs a a mentor, a leader to help him navigate these, these turbulent waters that he's going through right now. Yeah,
1: I mean, for sure. And even think about that dynamic. If he got if, you know, it was kind of started this conversation. If DaCosta goes to him and says, do you want to be here? And Lamar says, no, I don't. You know, I haven't liked the way things have gone the last couple of years. Uh, I want out. Okay, well, then, you know, we're going we're going to figure out a trade. We're going to, you know. Lamar's got to go to other teams and negotiate a contract with a bunch of different, I mean, several, it could be several teams, you know, that's where the agent and the agents, you know, right-hand man, a right-hand woman. And, you know, as the, co- you know, there's the, you know, their the associates, whatever, you, whatever you will call an agents, you know, um, uh, you know, underling, it's a terrible word, but you know, that, that, you know, okay, you go talk to them, you go talk to them and you go talk to them and we'll everybody report back and we'll, you know, we'll discuss all these different deals and then we'll present it to Lamar. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's off season granted, but you know, that's, that, that's a crazy, I, the whole thing of a player uh, saying, okay. Cause it's usually, okay. If you're, if you think you get fully guaranteed, we're going to let your agent go talk to teams, come back to us okay Lamar in this case it's okay Lamar you think you can get fully guaranteed you go talk to other teams it's just weird it's just it's just a weird way of doing it and it puts him in a a terrible spot of dealing with people I mean the agents know these other front offices they know the way to talk to the other front offices you know they know what, what 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 buttons to push you know or you gave this guy a great deal or you gave that guy a terrible deal and those those things factor into a negotiation of uh, you know, and, and Lamar doesn't have that. I just, I, I you know, I, I more power to him. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not doing saying this to be critical, but I do, I do think that NFLPA is not being his, his best friend here, so to speak. Right. Um, and I understand, as you said, I understand what they're pushing for and why they're pushing, and why, and you know, I, I just some to an extent understand why he's the guy. Although you got Burrow and and, and Herbert coming up now, and I mean, you know. I, I don't want to get I don't want to get a debate about you know who's better and who's worse, but you know Burrow's gone to a Super Bowl and he may you know have him there again. Um, you know if there's to me right now if there's a guy to push for fully guaranteed,
0: other than it's the Bengals he's dealing with, it's Burrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that game in a, in a little bit, but I, I wanted to talk I wanted to play devil's advocate again, and this to me Brian is the worst case scenario. I'm not sure we haven't talked about this. If you agree, but. To me, the worst case scenario by far is they tag Lamar with the exclusive tag. They don't get the trade done. He can't get the contract done that he wants, and he plays under the tag. Do you agree with that assessment?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. I mean, uh, well, uh, yes and no, I guess. Uh, You know, it it depends on, obviously, if he is traded, what the return is. You know, does that feel satisfactory? Something like that. I mean, if he if they can, if if, if he goes and says, I don't want to be here and they can, you know,
0: get, I, you know, three, well, I picks not plus, you. you know, whatever it is. Not to interrupt you. I'm yeah. sorry, but sorry. what I'm saying is none of that happens. He's playing under the tag. No, I understand what you said. Worst case scenario. I mean, tr- I, to me, trading is the worst
1: case scenario unless you get a bundle. If you get the bundle, then it lessens that you, t- to me. Of the of the three options, what's the worst? But from a cap perspective and for for next year's perspective, yes, I would say that playing him at forty five million and they they would have till July 15th to work out a long term deal. But in the meantime, he's on that cap uh, or at least from right before the draft, he's on that cap for forty five million, which, uh, you know, and you if, if even when he comes in at the lower number for the first couple of weeks, You still have to have that extra 13 million in your back pocket for when when that number kicks up, if it's the exclusive tag. So, yeah, I mean, that's the worst because you're going to have to get rid of players you'd rather not get rid of to because of the cap space need.
0: Yeah. And not only that, it's if 2022 is any indication of how he'll perform without a long term contract or how he'll behave without a long term contract. I got to think we'll get more of the same in in 2023. And and that, to me, is a a frightening situation. So,
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, and I think that goes into the, you know, this, um, you know, offensive coordinator decision as well. If it is, if it is urban, you know, it's probably going to be roughly the same system with ideally some tweaks. And, you know, you know, but if it is a brand new guy and Lamar under the tag until he signs it, he doesn't have to show up. So in theory, he doesn't have to show up till the week before the season. I mean, he doesn't even have to show up then, but I would be highly surprised if he doesn't show up when there's $45 million there, you know, or doesn't show up till halfway through the season and loses $20 million, you know, give or take. So I think he'd show up, but all of training camp and, you know, all of OTAs and, you know, learning a new system and things like that. Uh, if, if last, as you said, if last year is any indication, now he did show up the first day of of training camp, but, um, you know, he doesn't he wouldn't have to. And, it, you know, he could express his displeasure, so to speak, by taking it out longer.
0: Yeah. And that, as you seem to indicate, that if it works out that way, if if this is the the sequence of events leading into the season, that then it starts to make sense to have something some in-house candidate, but why would Urban, that's a guy who, I don't know, Lamar went and got his own quarterback's coach, you know, even though he's the quarterback's coach of the Ravens on on his own, you know, because he wanted to refine his mechanics in a way that he thought this guy was doing a little bit better job than Urban. I'm just reading the tea leaves. but Well, I I think, yeah, I I hear what you're saying,
1: but I think there's a difference too is uh, during the off, during parts of the off season, they, they are not allowed to talk to each other. Um, he's not he's certainly not allowed to coach him um so it couldn't be hey I'll, hey you know hey hey james i want to work on my mechanics so i'm going to fly into Baltimore and we're you know can we spend three days on mechanics or something like that they can't do that so I, I i think that's less of an issue um you know i think a lot of quarterbacks have their guys they work with i mean um and this was a long time ago but you know, Manning worked with the guy, the guy that ended up being or maybe was still at that point, the coach at Duke Cutliffe or something like that. Um, so I, that 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 one doesn't surprise me as much or doesn't worry me as much. Um, I, I, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is something to it. And I've uh, been obviously if he didn't plan to be here you know, then he wanted that. He still wanted to have somebody working with him. And, you know, Urban, it's, it's not like I'm working with Urban on the side, but I'm not a training camper. I'm not at OTAs because Urban doesn't have time to work with him then. So I, that, one, that one doesn't bother me as much uh, per se. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, we don't know what their relationship
0: is either. Okay, let's stay with this worst-case scenario for a little bit that Lamar plays under the tag in 2023. He shows up first day for the first game, and you know he's ready to go. Kept himself in shape, but still the the drain on the cap. They're going to have to do, as you alluded to earlier, make some other amendments or not amendments, but alterations to the current roster, and that's going to mean saying goodbye to some players that that they currently have if they're going to operate with him as the fully uh, with that uh, forty five million dollar tag and if they plan to do what they say they're going to do, which is improve that wide receiver room. Cause I could see if, if the Ravens went out and made this rumored trade for Deandre Hopkins and they add a first round pick wide receiver Rashad, ba- Rashad Bateman comes back. That changes the complexion of that room completely. Oh yeah. Sure. And, and that looks dramatically better. So maybe they do to that wide receiver room, what they did to the offensive line this past year. So, But to do that, they've got to make some changes to the current roster configuration. So let's talk about some of the players. And I know you put this out on Russell Street Report. Let's talk about some of the players who you kind of identified as potential candidates for either a release or a trade. And let's start with a guy who really had a good season in 2022. He's on the fence about whether he's going to retire or not. I think the Ravens did an excellent job of keeping him fresh and keep him, him in the right situations to get productivity out of him. I'm talking about Calais Campbell who has a 9.44 million dollar cap number for 2023 if he decides to come back under his current contract. Yeah,
1: I mean obviously if I mean the first thing is if he decides not to come back and he decides to retire, um there is a 7 million dollar savings. That is I that of, of any guy that might be on the your chopping block, I guess we'll say that is the one that's the biggest, by, I'm mean, almost by double um, where you can get the most cap space. That's seven million dollars. So um, yeah, obviously, if he retires or they or they have to cut him, I mean, you don't generally want to cut five guys to create seven million dollars because you have that offset of you cut five guys. You got to replace those five guys and they cost money. Whereas the, the the you know the Calais Campbell, that's seven million in savings. If he's replaced by a younger guy, that you know that could be it could net you six million in savings, and that's just one move, just one player. So I mean, you always look there first, and obviously in some cases look there and say, oh God, no, we're we're not you know we're not moving that guy because he's that because he's that important. But you know, it, Campbell's getting up there in years. Um, I could see. And again, if it if it is Lamar on the the full exclusive tag, you know that he may have to go. I mean, I hate to say it that way. You know, if he, if it's Lamar on the lesser tag or Lamar on a long term deal, they're still going to need some cap space. But I think and that's a case if Campbell wants to come back, that they give him the Marshall Yonda treatment, as I call it, where with Yonda, he was on a series of two year deals at the end of his career. And each year when he'd get to the second year, they they tack another year on and that would reduce. Yeah, you know, they could reduce that nine million dollar cap number, um, you know, down to four or five. So that creates a decent amount of cap savings and that bridges that gap enough that you keep the player and you still get some savings. So so I think I, you know, ideally um, that would be and, and Kevin Zeitler, I think, would fall into that, too. I don't think Zeitler's getting cut Um but he's another guy that oh, would be in the last year of his deal. They could then He's the guard. He's the you know he's the yonder replacement anyway, kind of. So you know that could be a thing where you know he, he, there's six million in savings if he's not back, whether it's retirement or, or or trade or or release. But he could be another guy where they could you know they could reduce that number um, and attack a year. With him, it could be attacking two or two or three years on. Um, because, he, you know, guards can play well into their 30s. So, um, you know, so those are the two probably extension kind of guys that would make the most sense.
0: Okay. Some other guys that you have on your list, uh, Chuck Clark. <laughs> there, there was some talk about trading him this, you know, this time last year, or not this time, but right after the draft, when they selected Kyle Hamilton with the 14th overall pick, and it looked like they had an embarrassment of riches at safety. But, you know, Chuck – I thought he got off to a rocky start. Maybe the whole thing was in his head a little bit, but he settled down the back end of the season and played pretty decently, but he carries a $6.3 million cap figure to let him go. The Ravens or, or to trade him, the Ravens could pick up 3.64 million in cap space.
1: Yeah. I think he's one that most certainly is, you know, at the top of the list of we have, if we, if we're going to do something, it's going to happen here. Um, whether it's a trade, you know, where they can get a late round pick for him, they only have five picks. They love draft picks, so you know, if they could get a, you know, a, a fifth or a sixth, or you know, or or some kind of swap of picks where they, you know, they, um, you know, they trade, they trade you know, Clark in a fifth for a fourth or something like that. Um, they're they're pretty good at figuring those kind of things out to, you know, jump up a round um, for a player that would um, that would make the most sense. But I think, yeah, I mean, he's one of the first places when you. When you look at their, you know, when you look at their cap, I think that's one of the first places you look at. Um, you know, he, I think he led the team in snaps this year, but you expect Hamilton to improve. Geno Stone is a restricted free agent, so uh, but he, if they bring him back, it's still going to be cheaper. Um, and then obviously Stevens can can play both as well. And you know, safeties are easier to find late in the draft. I mean, Clark was what a six round pick, right. um, so. You know, that would be, you know, something they could they could look to, you know, at with their later picks. They could, you know, they could look to um, or even the pick they pick they get for him. <laughs> they could turn that into a, a guy of controllable for four years if they get somebody in the fourth or fifth round. Um, that might be a, yeah, the perfect resolution there.
0: Now, we said one of the reasons that we're even going through this exercise is to try to create some cap space in order to improve that wide receiver room to accommodate perhaps a trade for. Hopkins from the Cardinals, who's said to be on the block. So Devin DuVernay is the next guy on the list I have here, Brian, and he's got a $4.53 million cap figure. The Ravens can save roughly $4.31 by trading or releasing him. If you have a wide receiver room with a high, highly drafted uh, rookie, coupled with Rashad Bateman and DeAndre Hopkins, you start to look at Duvernay and say, you know what? He, he had a pretty decent start to the season as a receiver, faded at the end, looked a lot slower to me as a returner, a little bit more unsure of himself. Surprisingly, uh, he had the 100-yard return against the Dolphins in the home opener. But other than that, the explosiveness that we saw from Duvernay in the past, maybe he was hurt, they tried to cover up that injury, I don't know. But at 4.31, Brian, if you've already done those uh, alterations to the wide receiver room, that number looks pretty attractive to me to let him go or to try to trade him.
1: Yeah, I agree, and uh, you know that's the this is the downside to that downside even for the player potentially uh, for that proven performance escalator because that you know they they would they will probably look to try and trade him, but I'm not sure anybody's going to want to pay him four point three one, you know. So they may have to release him. Um, that, you know, and if they get Lamar on a long term deal, maybe they don't have to, you know, or maybe they go to him and work out a de- you know, some kind of deal, although he's probably going to be a guy that if they do improve the room and he's now the fourth or fifth receiver, um, he may not want an extension. He may want, you know, an opportunity to look to become a free agent after the year and then look elsewhere. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's I think that escalator, I mean, otherwise. You know that his cap number is one point oh one million. <laughs> I'm sorry, his, his, his salary is one point oh one point oh one million versus the four point three one. So I mean that's a three million dollar difference. Uh, if he if he's if he doesn't get that hit that escalator because he because he made the Pro Bowl, uh, and again as that was as a returner, but it doesn't matter. You know he we're not even talking about this. If he's only a little, if he's one point three million, his cap number, we're not even concerned about it.
0: Let me ask you this about the Pro Bowl. If if you are a Pro Bowl alternate, does that count the same way? No, you have to be voted. You're
1: either you have to be voted to the initial team. Either as a that initial announcement. Um, if you're you don't, it doesn't matter whether you're considered the starter or the reserve. Um, it, that on that initial announcement, if you are a Pro Bowl player, if you're on that list, then you either earn your incentive or in this case. You earn your 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 uh, proven performance escalator, um, so that's the difference. And you know, if I think about it, you know, if 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 a you know if you have a, a long snapper who makes the Pro Bowl, you, you know, all of a sudden you're paying the long snapper four point three million. You know, so for for specialists, it, it's it's you know even even a rookie kicker or a young kicker, um, it can you know on a rookie deal, um, you know, if Stout makes a Pro Bowl, all of a sudden. He's going to have, you know, that fourth year, his number is going to be higher than you want to pay your punter. You know, I mean, it, quite simply now that may that may trigger an extension at that time uh, for a guy like that. But for Duvernay, I think it's a little trickier because he is he's a wide receiver and kick returner.
0: Two things, I think you're safe with Stout. He's not going to make the Pro Bowl. Well, (laughs) right. right. (laughs) He was a disappointment for me in 2022, but hopefully you will have a better year in 2023. But regarding the Pro Bowl, I don't know if you look at it this way, but and I feel kind of bad thinking this way, but when I hear the Ravens bragging about their Pro Bowl selections, I'm like, "Ah, I wish he didn't make it because of these reasons. I mean, if I know that some of the players have little bonuses that are kicked in if – if they make the pro bowl, but whenever I hear Raven made the pro bowl, I'm saying, ah, that's going to have a ding on the cap.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, like I said, it's a twofold dig, and I'll use Humphrey and Andrews as examples they had, and and they're not big, they're $250,000 bonuses, which I'd love to have something like that. But um, you know, but for them it's not a huge amount of money, but what that does is not only do they get that well, they get that money. And then since since uh, it didn't count on this year's cap for Humphrey because he didn't make the Pro Bowl the prior year, it raises his cap number next year by 250 million, 250,000. Sorry, that would be a lot. Um, And then also it because he earned it this year, it's a negative adjustment on their cap. So it really affects their. So while he got 200, we earned 250,000, it really affects next next year's cap because it didn't affect this year's cap at all. It affects next, next year's cap by 500000 which makes a difference.
0: So I'm just going to read down the, the list of the other guys that you, you have, and then you can tell me which of those you think is the most likely to be moved or traded. Gus Edwards, if he's traded or released, represents a $4.4 million cap savings. Patrick Ricard represents a $2 million savings. Morgan Moses, 2.54 million, Michael Pierce, 2.1 million, and Patrick Ricard, 1.6 million. You already mentioned Kevin Zeitler at 6.5 million. So uh, of those guys, Edwards, McCari, Moses, Pierce, and Ricard, any of those jump off the page as being very vulnerable. I mean, I would think Edwards
1: is. Obviously, you have to replace him. Um, but you know, if it looks like uh, J.K. Dobbins is going to be more the, you know, the, the lead back and Edwards is going to be more of the uh, second fiddle, which it seemed like, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, I think, you know, I think he's that 4.4 4. 4 in savings, again, is a nice chunk of change. Uh, It only leaves 1.25 million in dead money. So, you know, the ratio, not that the ratio should matter that much, but it it, it feels better when you're not carrying a a bigger amount of dead money than your savings. Um, So I think he's probably the most vulnerable one. Macari is 2 million in savings, but that's, again, there's that ratio. It's 4 million in dead money. He's obviously very versatile um, and can play just about anywhere on that line. So, Uh, And he's not terribly expensive. His cap number is only $6 million. So, you know, I think he would be one that would, um, you know, that would still be that that would be safe. Morgan Moses, unless they feel Philele is ready. I I don't think there's any question. And the cap savings isn't really great. None of these guys, the cap savings is really great. Pierce, you know, I, I guess that's a I mean, it's only two million in savings and close to four in dead money again. But if you need, if you get, if you you might need it from every place you can get it. So if that's the case, and but I think he would be very much tied to Calais Campbell. If Campbell's back, then maybe you can get rid of Pierce. Um, but if Campbell's not back, I think Pierce is more important. And he he, I was in two games he played. I mean, he played pretty well. He looked good. Um, so and you got to. Keep and he's under contract for this year and next, this coming year and next. Keep in mind that the, you know some of the younger guys on the defensive line, uh, Broderick Washington will be in his last year. If Campbell's in his, if that comes back next year, you can't count on him the following year. So you know you got to you got to look into that future as well as far as where where will that if you get rid of Pierce this year, where will that leave him in twenty four? Um, you know with who's left. So you know those are kind of factors. Uh, And as well, now Ricard is the, and again, the savings is only about 1.6. So it's not a huge amount, but that's one where I think that, that weighs heavily on what you're And again, it's not a huge amount of savings, but what is, um, you know, what's the new offensive core? who's the new offensive coordinator and what's his usage going to be under that coordinator. Um, And if a guy comes in and he doesn't use a fullback, um, then, you know, even though then it's more of a, uh, you know, the 1.6 million is, is not, like I said, not a huge amount of savings, but it's more of a roster decision of, you know, we'll, we'll bring in some, you know, uh, cheap fullback. So if we need a fullback goal line, we'll, we'll have a guy who's an undrafted free agent, like they were, you know, had some success with in their early in their early years. Um, you know, we'll have that guy cause we just need a battering ram. Um, and, you know, but we only need him five plays a game perhaps um right. and that's you know paying Ricard 2.75 million in cash that's that's too much for what our needs are going to be so i think that's he's more dependent on i think that's more of a uh, it's not a cap decision as much as it's a, just a roster decision
0: and uh, then of course the ravens have on their practice squad jack harbaugh's favorite player out of the university <laughs> of Michigan, ben mason so <laughs> yeah and they did resign him to a future deal so he he is under contract for next
1: year so uh, yeah, I don't know that that's going to go anywhere, but um, but yeah, I mean, who knows?
0: So let, let's wrap this up, Brian. We've got the championship weekend with the two games tomorrow, being the Eagles hosting the 49ers and the Bengals traveling to, as they call it, Burrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, your, your outlook on those two games? Um. As long as the Bengals lose, I don't care who
1: wins, uh, <laughs> um, which I, whether it's this week or in two weeks in the Super Bowl. Um, I've I've had enough of them already. I mean, that's, that fan
0: base I, is insufferable.
1: I yeah, I mean it's crazy. Um, and then the mayor's thing that you sent me last night, that whole thing, that's, uh, that's just embarrassing. I mean that was I don't know, uh, and I've I've seen a lot of Bengal fans say it was embarrassing too, but still. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. Um, i um I unfortunately, I think the Bengals may. Well, I don't think Kansas City's defense can, um, unless they can, unless they can. And obviously, we've seen Burrow. You know, he's pretty. He's got pretty good escapability. But unless they really get after Burrow, I don't think that as much as the the you know the Chiefs can score more points. I, I'm afraid the Bengals can outscore them unless they. You know, I know the offensive line looked good last week, even though it's patchwork and. The Ravens, you know, did a pretty good number, even though they didn't get to burrow as much as they should have. But they at least were moving them around, and you know, and getting him off, off uh, his timing off. Um, but unless Kansas City, and Frank Clark's a good player, um, and so is um, not Frank Clark. Who's the this um, is a is Frank Clark? I know they're, they're they're defensive tackle. Uh, yeah, Clark, yeah right. Yeah, um, you know, I know he can get. I mean, he's a hell of a player. But Chris Jones have a great game. You know, Chris Jones. Yes.
0: Yeah, so oh. they, they, yeah. they could do it, but I'm, I'm with you. I think sometimes a team matches up well against another team, and I think that's the case with the Bengals and the Chiefs. They just match up well, and I'm with you. I hope they lose but because then we'll hear more, two more weeks of the Bengals and their fans, but uh, I, I think the Bengals are going to pull it out. With the, the Eagles and the 49ers, that's a really interesting game because I think – from top to bottom, the Eagles probably have the, the most versatile roster and best roster overall. But it all depends on how Jalen Hurts plays in a big game. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got Purdy, who, you know, he's he's Mr. Irrelevant, and he's taking the team as far as, you know, pretty far for being in that position. Uh, they Their offense is based on that running game, but McCaffrey's not 100%. So we'll see what happens there. I, I got a feeling that the Eagles are going are gonna to sneak this one out.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I think the big thing will be, you know, um, Shanahan has done a great job of protecting Purdy. But if they get behind and he can't, you know, and he's got and it, you know, this is, you know, we're, these are throwing downs no matter what. Um, I, I'd be fearful um, that that San Francisco, that, that Purdy might show that he's Mr. Irrelevant. Um, I mean, I, I that's that's pretty that's, a, that's probably unfair because he's not going to show that he's that bad, but, so to speak. He's already proven to be better, way better than that. But that he's going to be, you know, I mean, because that that uh that Eagles defensive line can get after you with four guys, like, um, they have like 75 sacks this year, yeah. So, I mean, with that, you
0: know, if, if they get if they get up, I think it's going to be hard for San Francisco to come back, yeah. I, I agree with you. That's that's why I like the Eagles in this one, so. Anyway, Brian, thank you so much for your time. I know it's been a lot longer than we expected it to be. The There was a lot to unpack, but hopefully our listeners uh, learned a little bit from this conversation that we've had and uh, helped them to set their own mindset uh, or straight in terms of the outlook for Lamar and the Ravens heading into 2023 offseason. So appreciate your time. I'm Tony Lombardi. That was Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report, and thanks for listening.